0: I've said that live before. The full time experience, yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to. <laughs> Start again, shall I? Pro levels. Yeah. On you go. Hello <laughs> and welcome to the unlucky. Are oh, you mother. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts. Here we've got uh, Tom Mannering. Hello, and myself, Josh Hartley. How are we doing this week, Tom? I'm
1: doing good, thank you very much, Josh. How are you?
0: Grand, yeah. Good, good week. We're we're recording on Friday, so the the work is done. The weekend is ahead of us. Uh, the- Tom's shaking his head. I forgot he's working tomorrow. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to that rub in. I'm kind of yeah,
1: glad I interrupted you on that last start now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is us even, I guess. Uh, <laughs> working week's over for me, so... <laughs> anyway, Thomas flipped me the, the middle finger there. Uh, yeah, uh, so we've got a few things to talk about uh, this week. Uh, what, what have you been up to this week?
1: Uh, not a great deal. Uh, to be honest, I had a, I've got a few bits and bobs to talk about. I suppose the big one for us, and I don't know if you want to get into this right away, but is we had the finale, 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 finale. <laughs> Went a bit posh there. Finale, uh, finale of, uh, finale <laughs> of yeah. our uh, our Pathfinder uh, campaign. Our sort of second finale, really, um, because we did have one previously, but then I decided I wasn't happy with that, so I wanted to do another one. So on Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, we had our our sort of end to the mythic arc, uh, if you will, of our, our Pathfinder campaign. So you guys had hit like level 14, 15, 14. something like that. Uh, yeah, it was 14. And uh, we wrapped up the, the storyline, which was... Uh, we, we'd actually done the, the sort of big bad guy fight in the previous session. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was sort of more of a kind of closing out epilogue session.
0: I was a bit a bit to close out because two of the player characters died in that fight as well. It so it was. Um, I like sessions like that though, where you, you just get to role play, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all all plot driven. Uh, I think there was speaking for myself because I was one of the players, but I think there was some quite nice uh, moments in in that session as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought there was some really good. Moments in it. I, I'm like yourself. I really enjoy those kinds of sessions as a GM and as a player. T- two reasons as a GM: uh, one, it's great narrative storytelling. Mm-hmm. Two, years as a GM, you don't have to quite do as much. You know, there's yes. a lot less, <laughs> lot less number crunching, especially if it's the party interacting with each other. Uh, which is I think always... there was uh, there was one skill check rolled in the entire session. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't there wasn't a lot uh, dice mm. rolling, which is is ideal in that kind of session. Um, so we had uh, a very sort of narrative heavy uh, session to close it out uh, and it's it's been a, a very long campaign you know we've been uh, playing this one for four years, three years, four years I've lost track. It's a good one.
0: Uh, we would have started this with previous character well all of us with previous characters bar Scott because somehow mm-hmm. Tharic as dwarf cleric has survived everything. Um, I'm going to say it was 2016 it's not six years ago no way it was very shortly after I moved back to Glasgow and I moved back to Glasgow in 2016 tail end of 2016 then? April is when I moved I think it yeah. might have been tail end of 2016, but yeah. Good need to good need to fact check you on this. I don't, uh,
1: I don't. Well, we did the. Was there not the pirate campaign? Were you not back up for the?
0: That's the right. Okay, I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah we yeah. had the the doomed pirate campaign that lasted two sessions before yeah. we got TPK'd. And then did we not have the
1: the doomed Kingmaker campaign as well? Did that
0: not? Be... That was before I moved. Was that before? Okay. Yeah. So many games. I was, games not, fun. I was <laughs> not
1: in on that. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, it's been going on for a, a good long while. You know, we've had crossovers. Mm. Uh, we've had four chari- uh, four sort of main story arcs that we did because uh, we did Common Cause was the first one, then yep. Darkness Divides, then Tomorrow Brings Many Things, mm-hmm. and then uh, this one, which was Assault on Ice, which was the, uh, the last one. Uh, and going forward, we'll just be doing uh, crossovers. And uh, I've made you guys aware that we're going to be moving over to fifth edition D&D as well. For those? Yes.
0: Um, and Personally, I'm happy with that change. Um, if I could surmise how I felt about this particular story arc, is I absolutely loved the characters and the plot of it, but I felt like the mechanics of Pathfinder was just getting in the way. It was just it's too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that, that was largely why I made the decision, uh, as much fun as it's been having these high-level characters with, with levels of mythic as well, there was a, a session that I think you will remember quite well. It was fairly recently anyway, but mm-hmm. it was basically, I think, one of your turns took the better part of about half an hour, not because of just any what? fault of your own, just number crunching, basically. Yeah, it's
0: just like, oh, God, what, uh, how much damage have I actually done? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and we basically had to sit there
1: with calculators just <laughs> trying to get out of Yeah, we, had, we had
0: an accountant... Come in, my <laughs> like audit. It. Um, uh, it felt, it felt that 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 felt necessary for that. Yeah. I, I, I will say, in in Pathfinder's favour, I'm gonna miss some of the big numbers and like one shotting like massive monsters as well mm. that my character was able to do. Yeah, um, and
1: and this is a conversation I have all the time because people say, you know, why do you think Pathfinder's better than d D and, and vice versa? I don't necessarily think either is the better. I think mm. they both have different draws to them, 100%. I think 5th edition D&D is a simpler system, and that's not mm-hmm. to a, that's not in a detrimental fashion. It's just a bit smoother, it's a bit more streamlined. There's fewer fewer options which clo- cause less bloat and cause mm-hmm. less the the thing is right, the more moving parts you have to something, the more likely the gears are going to catch, right? Yes. It, fundamentally, that is the issue that Pathfinder has. It has so much content. And I'm talking about first edition here. It has so much content. It has a wealth of material, classes, feats, archetypes. And it gives you a fantastic range of options. You can make literally any character you could comprehend. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen people make uh, Captain America in Hulk. Uh, I've seen people, there's there's literally magical girls à- a la, la Moon. You know, you can make mm-hmm. this wealth of characters but the problem is because there's so much to it, the block can become quite unwieldy, and it can become very difficult to to manage at a table because there was just you just cannot make a system that big and it, and cover all the expectations. It's a bit like Magic yeah. the Gathering as well, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why they have they have sort of things cycle out because they yeah. just couldn't keep track of things realistically otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. So not to get off off topic anyway, but. That's why I, I think they have, you know, I love Pathfinder, especially at lower levels, because you can make any character. And as a GM, there's so much resource for you to draw upon, mm-hmm. be it adventures or uh, optional rules. It's just a it's a different system.
0: Anyway. I, I was just, just, while we're on that subject, on a similar note to sort of the problem with having too many rules is, uh, there's more likely. it's more likely that you could find some way of cheesing it and come up <laughs> with, like, broken characters, which it, I, I would like to say, in our defense, um, we at least consult you <laughs> before we go ahead and do something silly. Yeah, I um, think
1: you guys have always been quite good as a group, and I think this is something that you can do as a, a GM in a group, is you set your expectations, right? You set, like, mm-hmm. what the game is looking to do, what you as a gm will allow and won't allow and i think as long as your players are flexible and you make them aware of yes i will allow so you could start out and say i'll allow anything as long as they understand that you might at some point go look i've allowed this but in actuality it's unbalanced and we need to pull that back whether you need to retrain it or whatever mm. that's not going to work you know you guys know i have a, a classic rule which is no swashbucklers <laughs> no, no kinetis like that's <laughs> that's my like rule going in and when i started the saturday night campaign uh and i said to the guys uh they were like what's on the table what's off the table i was like you know normally i have a no swashbuckler no kineticist rule because it was like a bit of a loosey-goosey lockdown game i was like you know what just play whatever and no-one played a Swashbuck Kinesis, so it was fine.
0: Um, we, all, we all respect you too much, obviously. Yeah, uh, which
1: is really nice, you know, that, that people kind of know that you don't want to kill someone else's enjoyment. Uh, <laughs> that's not funny. That's, that's no, 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 no. It's just... <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was always my kind of rule with Pathfinder. And I'm sure I'll have that with 5th edition D&D. I'm going to come across things I'm going to be like, God, I hate this so
0: much. I mean, well... Yeah, but I think I, I think because there's there's less rules bloat to fifth edition, I think it's less likely. Basically, and when it does come up with broken stuff, it's not going to be as busted. No, as, I mean, but like, because it's it's fairly easy to find it in path. I mean, for example, like I just took on an ability with my character, which was basically like as a uh, reflex action. If someone attacked me, I could hit them first. Mm-hmm um now because i didn't take a particular is it combat reflexes yeah is is how is a feat that you can take with that to make that absolutely broken because it means you're hitting everyone before they get to hit you yeah um and and that's silly it is
1: i mean it is but if i remember rightly that's a mythic thing so you're supposed to like this is partially on me right because i i love conceptually I love mythic I love characters mm-hmm. being just that much more powerful but then as a GM you have to manage that and it yeah. is horrendous you know like in in the last uh, the last combat session we did before you fought the big bad who put up a hell of a fight you know she killed two of you mm-hmm. um, but before you fought her you got attacked by a, a craglinon which is a, a norse dragon this incredibly powerful thing that I put in and I was like right this is this is going to be a beast, right? They'll, they'll have, they'll beat it, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight for them. And you, one rounded it, you know it came yeah. in, and, and I don't mean you as a party. I
0: mean you, Josh, <laughs> my my character, just went, hacked oh. its head off in one swing. It's <laughs> like, well, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've created a monster <laughs> uh, because. You know that you just
1: open up that kind of worms for yourself. Um, um, anyway, we've spoke for for ten minutes about uh, about that.
0: So, so well, there, there is one other thing about uh, Pathfinder slash D anD D I want to touch on though, because okay, go it is ahead. an interesting talking point. You've mentioned a, one change that we're stipulating that we're going to D anD D fifth edition, but there was another change that you mentioned in that in the setting we're going to be moving forward by nine hundred
1: years. Yeah, about nine nine hundred years. So. To give a bit of context to that, the characters, uh, the, the so I've run these two Pathfinder games sort of in tandem mm-hmm. for years now uh, with two different player groups. And when we brought them together for the f- first time, uh, mm-hmm. following their successes, they all
0: gained, uh, was
1: it the first crossover you got it, or was it the second?
0: I think it was the first one. See, was it the second? It was the second one. Is it? Yeah, because we, we didn't have anything to do with the timekeeper in the first That's crossover. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: in the second crossover, they all sort of went to work for this uh, individual called the Timekeeper who was basically keeping the timeline right uh, and yeah. sent them back in time to different points in time to stop uh, these guys from the future uh, from altering the timeline. It was basically a plot of First Contact, right? Star Trek First Contact, which mm-hmm. is the Borg go back in the past to try and change the future. And it, I basically used I used Borg miniatures from... Uh, from the you Star did. Trek model line, to actually represent these guys. So this guy sends you back to stop these uh, Borg, in inverted commas, legally oh, distinct. No,
0: legally distinct uh, <laughs> android humanoid uh, yeah. people. Uh, to stop them. And when you go back, he gives
1: you uh, this mythic power, and he makes you the Timeless. So the group has uh, sort of united, become known as the Timeless, because they don't age, because they're mm-hmm. they're affiliated to the, the Timekeeper. Uh, So obviously that means that when we do this time jump forward of 900 years, the world is going to have progressed 900 years, which is a hell of a Mm -hmm. long time, Uh, but you guys will have all remained ageless. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that was the the other big change. And the way that is going to manifest in in many sort of ways is we're moving to sort of more of a Victorian-esque, steampunky, magic punk uh setting so something a little closer to uh eberron um and steampunk uh aesthetic uh so yeah that was that was the other second change
0: yeah i'm looking forward to uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how because i've decided that i'm I'm gonna go with lokag yeah with uh, my barbarian for that so i'm looking forward to seeing how he uh deals with that um, the good thing with Lokag is he—he's been he, in character. He's been timeless for a while. I think he's like five—if I remember—he's like five hundred and thirty odd years old. Anyway, so he's—he's. He's, you'd like to think by that point he would have got used to the idea of being immortal. Yeah. Uh, and maybe handles it a bit better than maybe some of the other characters who might not be so great at handling it. Who knows? Well, you wanted to play
1: Lokag as sort of a uh, proto individual you know he was Mm -hmm. one of the first of his his kind of race to kind of you know be civilized in in so much as uh Mm -hmm. they are civilized uh in in the area you've built them from because you're you're basically a barbarian king right yes uh in your your narrative um which will be interesting because one of the things i'm I'm throwing to you guys is how has your presence influenced the world in that change Mm. so it'd be interesting how you you come from this sort of uh, barbarian tribe in the mountains. How have they responded to the rise of technology uh, yeah. and and the reduction of magic in the conventional sense and religion, mm-hmm. which are your two usual primary components of D and D? Yeah, that sort of be interesting.
0: Yeah. So. We're looking forward to that. Um, obviously, uh, whenever we do this crossover, it's going to be very much dependent on how the rest of the year goes regarding mm-hmm. COVID, but uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Um, moving on from that... Um, Josh draws a blank. Uh, no, <laughs> I uh, Gaming-wise, this week for me, um, I ordered a bunch of... Um, New terrain for Warhammer uh, in anticipation of getting some Crusade games in against uh, Tom's Gene Steeler Cults. You've, you've picked up the new Codex, although you were saying before we started the recording you haven't had much of a chance to read into it in depth. Yeah, I picked it up, but it got delivered
1: on uh, Saturday. It actually came on time. I did say last episode I didn't think it would, but it did, so kudos to Games Workshop.
0: Shot. We're clearly listening and yeah. we're like, well, we've got to show this guy up. These
1: guys are, are high tier influencers. We need to make yes. sure that we're uh, we're, we're pleasing. Ah, at we them. laughed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, that arrived on mm. time. Uh, I did. The the one thing I did look at uh, was I did have a quick gander at the Crusade rules just because I'd never seen them in a Codex before. Mm. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that plays out. As and when we do get round to playing it. So what, what terrain did you get? Let's let's
0: I so on I uh, I ordered from a Czech company called Urban Mats and what I've done is I've got Oh yeah, yeah, I've told you this, haven't I? Yeah. Tom started like sniggering. I don't know if the mic picked that up, but um so I ordered from the Czech Republic a double sided um mat big enough for standard games of uh, Warhammer forty K. Yeah and I ordered a big set of, it's basically a shelled out city. Okay. Um, and, like ruins? And that, yeah, right, yeah, right. basically. Uh, that arrived um, yesterday. So I was actually, before we started the recording, I've unpacked it all and I've set it all out in my gaming room. So yeah, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's it's looking good. We'll get a um, picture
1: up with the, with the episode if you, if you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'll shop. do that. Uh, so a couple of things. Um, it, it was not sh- uh, cheap to ship and I was kind of expecting that. I paid 40 euros for shipping because it's coming from the continent and mm-hmm. it's quite bulky. It was actually a lot bulkier than I thought it would be. The box is like up to my hip, <laughs> uh, That, uh, that uh, the terrain came in and then there's a long tube box for yeah. the uh, the mat itself. I forgot that I would have to pay customs charges on this entering the UK. And I got charged fifty-four pounds to to receive this that's once rough. it had entered the UK. So thank you Brexit, thank you for that.
1: <laughs> and how much did you pay for like for the the thing before customs?
0: Yeah, before I mean, so bear in mind this is including the chipping, which was yeah. quite expensive. I think it came to about two hundred pounds. But that's so. still
1: like a quarter of your your exactly item. well this
0: is it and and okay, okay. The people who aren't into some of our listeners who maybe aren't into like miniatures wargaming might think that sounds like a lot well actually those neoprene mats they cost about 70 80 quid themselves yeah. and all of this all of the terrain is like resin cast pre-painted terrain so it's yeah. like just good to go so uh, I, that's the kind of money I was anticipating on spending on this, uh, but the yeah, I completely forgot about the customs charges. So, but, <laughs> but I mean, what 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 can I do? <laughs> it's like, that's well, hard. you've got you've got me, your royal highness. Well, um,
1: this, this is it. It's kind of got you by the balls, hasn't it? Because it's like, do you want it or not? Because that's yeah, that's ultimately where I'm you pay, are. I'm
0: paid now. Yeah. So. I,
1: you're, um, you're you're kind of bugged one way or the other. So, yeah, that's. Uh, that's not fun, though. I do feel for you there, mate.
0: The trouble... Um, see, I, I found this when I was buying a bunch of uh, terrain uh, a couple of years back for Kill Team from, like, TT Combat. I find it quite addictive. So mm-hmm. now that I've got this, here's the thing. the city doesn't have roads, so I've spotted, like, a set of, like, uh, neoprene roads that you can just roll out onto the, the right. field as well. And then I'm thinking it would be cool to get, like, some rubble and, like, barbed wire and tank traps and craters and all of that as well. So I might I'm, mm, I might, might, go to town a bit before uh, before you pop down. I'm just going to uh, come down this, and it's going to yeah. be, like,
1: a full experience. You know, you've converted a room of your house. You've done, like, the
0: walls up as we are in cities. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, I may you have a gone help. A bit... <laughs>
0: I give you a helmet as soon as you walk <laughs> through the door. There's like ambient like... noise, smoke machines going
1: off, yeah. sirens. Josh, you may have overdone it here.
0: <laughs> I have seen the little. You can get little terrain pieces that have like uh, little smoke vapor coming out yeah, of them yeah. as well, and the LED
1: um, lights as well, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That mm. would be really like
1: that would be really cool. Imagine going to like a a, a wargaming venue. Uh, and it was like that, you know, like it was like all kind of atmospherically set. Because it's a little bit like what Warhammer World used to be like, where you know they had the castle and that. And I know they still have it, mm. but they really kind of stayed into that aesthetic. And they had like the Lord of the Rings yeah. music on and stuff like that. Uh, imagine going to like a like a kind of laser tag, but as a wargaming thing. So you know you've got like the noises mm. and sound effects, and you've got music, and you've got atmospheric lighting and smoke machines and stuff. See, that's a business idea right there for you—the yeah, wargaming S- let's experience.
0: Do it. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm all about that. So, um, and the only other thing I was going to mention was, uh, can you guess how I approach, because you mentioned you had a flick through your codec, can you imagine, can you guess how I approach uh, reading new codices and rules books and the like? I don't know. I You
1: don't strike me as the most narrative-focused of people. So, I don't know if you maybe just go like straight to the stats and like just, that's your book, really.
0: That's the second thing I do. Okay, that's a, the first thing is I look at the pictures. Oh yeah, like that's a given. Yeah. Like okay, all right, okay. So you you do that as well. Yeah, everybody looks at the pictures first. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like, not ooh, there's pretty not, miniatures. Yeah.
1: There's not a person, especially with like such a visual hobby. Like you're mm. gonna look at the pictures first. And to GW's credit, you know they've they've always done really good art and they've always done really good like um, dioramas and things for for Codexes, yeah. even back in like yesteryear when the codexes were crappy black and white things the pictures were always the best bit i
0: i have very fond memories of the third edition warhammer 40k rulebook and mm. that was absolutely rammed with like illustrations and just lore like just all of the the fluff yeah. with with the 41st millennium and of course that's the kind of the first edition where they established the tone of warhammer 40k is being grimdark yeah. this is this is uh this is the sort of gothic horror science fiction that uh, we know and love now
1: the problem i have with with codexes is, is with the lore side of it at least and this is going to come across as a bit snobby and it's not meant to but i've already kind of read it all like it tends to yeah. be kind of a repeat of, if you've read one gene stealer codex you've probably read. You know the next Gene Stealer Codex. When it comes to law, you'll have a few like tweaks and expansions, and you know things like that. But largely, they tend to say the same thing yeah. over and over. I mean, see, like Space Marines, Jesus, like you just don't bother. <laughs> like,
0: um... And this guy was awesome, yeah. and his friend was also <laughs> awesome, and his friend was also awesome, and they all high fived each other after winning.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> which they did because they're space. Yes, marines. they're Space
0: Marines. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is the thing. Like, they they have to include that, right? They have to they have to assume everyone reading that book is reading is is it new but to time. the
1: Ivy? Yeah, yeah, and and that, that's why I don't begrudge them it. But you do as like a as a new uh, as a new as an existing mm. uh, player, you do kind of get a bit of repetition. It'd be nice if they just released uh, a stat only book, like you know, that was like no law. You know, just like, the rules, like just a budget. You could do like a, even like a budget book that was like a smaller black and white book, you know, softback. That's just your rules because that'd be great for tournaments and stuff as well.
0: So here, here is the thing: there are online resources where you can access just the rules for free. Are there? Not official ones. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the... Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not... talking <laughs> things like. One D One D Four Chan and that that sort of stuff. Josh, I don't so, subscribe to or encourage people to
1: participate in piracy or illegal I, publications.
0: I think there's an actual loophole because it's rules right. you can't you can't. Uh, there's something about copyright law and rule like the rules of a game being a bit weird. Right. Um, of, of course, Games Workshop is going to try and stop them from doing that, mm-hmm. but. The, the fact of the matter is, um, if, if if you weren't that bothered about having the physical codex and like having that collector's piece, you can access the rules if you want to.
1: The thing is, though, for me, even if even if I just got the rules bit, I'd still want it officially. Like, I'd still want mm-hmm. a proper because okay, fair enough. For for everything that we might say about Games Workshop, and I know I've I've said a lot of negative things on this very show, uh, mm-hmm. but they do release some, some good quality products. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the codexes are always, always deliver a good, you know, bit of text. Um, and even their smaller books, you know, I've got some of the, like the the smaller Necromunda uh, support mm-hmm. things. And they're still really nice. You know, they're only little little pa- like pamphlets almost, still good quality, they're still, you know, nice to look at. And I would like that with like, just rules, you know, just just a rule sheet a bit like the data cards but i don't like cards for wargaming like it just it yeah it doesn't sit right with me like t- takes me back to like dark millennium like when right. you had like oh and I'm like, i don't want that someone's going to start pulling out vortex grenades and wiping out half the battlefield and i'm just not <laughs> for no! <that> anymore <laughs>
0: stop that uh,
1: so yeah I, I like sort of you know uh an easier to access resource that still looks nice that would be I'd be on my wish list Pathfinder do it funnily enough um Pathfinder start doing the the pocket rule books which are like a smaller condensed uh version for taking to mm. uh like events and taking to your friend's house and stuff so they they're they're a really good example of the kind of thing I don't think they actually strip out any content it's just sort of smaller and than the bumps bumps taken out
0: yeah oh fair enough then there we go so games workshop get on it yeah so um, yeah do it just do it.
1: Speaking of uh condensed content, uh this is this is a tenuous link, I'm not going to lie. Uh Um <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about this archaeological board game? I was
0: wondering how we're going to yeah. how you were going to link that to condensed content and I'm like there's 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 no link. The link no, is, wh- what the, is, link this is segue? the
1: link is that, that I'm condensing our content by segueing onto it.
0: I see. Okay, that's why I said um, I
1: don't know how I'm gonna link those in.
0: I will. I'll allow it. Okay, thanks. Um, it's too this kind. This all really. gonna get left in, but fine. but yeah, it, just a sort of interesting little news piece that came out earlier this week. We're gonna link the news up ar- the article uh, below, but the headline is: Archaeologists have unearthed a four thousand year old board game. Now they just have to figure out the rules. So um, this is a, a joint coll- a collaboration between a Polish and an an, um, an academic team in Oman. I don't know what the um, collect. What would the the collective uh, noun be for you know the the people of Oman? You know, like how people from Poland are Polish. What would Oman? Omanian. Yeah, um, that's terribly ignorant of me, but I, I genuinely don't know. In any case, uh, a, a collaborative effort between two academic teams have been conducting uh, archaeological digs in Oman, and they have uncovered a, a 4,000 year old stone board game at a Bronze and Iron Age settlement uh, site near the village of Ain Bani uh, Seda in um, it's sort of the, the uh, northern uh, mountains there. Uh, I'm going to quote it directly from the article here. Such finds are rare, but examples are known from an uh, area stretching from India through Mesopotamia, even to the eastern Mediterranean. Um, This is uh, Peter Bielinski, apologies for butchering butchering your surname there, Peter, Um, from the University of Warsaw. Um, who's co-leading the excavations. The most famous example of a board game based on a similar principle is the one from the graves uh, from Ur. And this was, uh, they they explained that this was a dig from 1922, uh, which found a 4,500-year-old board game, um, a two-player game similar to Backgammon. But I just find it interesting that they, um, they cannot figure out the rules for it. Yeah, um, so
1: they've they've said here, uh, newly discovered large stone board in Oman has grid like markings, seemingly indicating different fields of play as well as cup holes. Its rules have now been lost to time. Do you think this is sort of the uh, the his, uh, historic equivalent of like Twilight Imperium or something? You know, it's just like maybe a ridiculously yes. game. <laughs>
0: What we don't realise is this is actually just one tile of the yeah. game. Yeah, it actually has like twenty tiles that all join together, and yep. it's a eight player uh, weekend campaign. Six, <laughs> six expansions as well that were released. Yes, uh, it
1: is like if you look at the uh, the article, it it does look like quite a complex board. Like there's there's of, a lot going on. Yeah, there's like six different tiles. I think at a quick glance. And maybe five. The board is asymmetric. The board as well, is asymmetrical. Is... It's got like weird, like diamonds down the side at certain points, which might mean something. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the different symbols mean, if anything. I mean, we could be overcomplicating this. This could just be like a weird form of like checkers, right? But yeah, it's um, a yeah. it's a weird looking game to say the least. Like if that dropped at you know like Essen or something, people would be like,
0: what? What's this? <laughs> this is weird. So. I do find it interesting, just the sheer number of ancient board games, though, Mm -hmm. um, because we all kind of think that board games are a fairly recent thing, and then you've got chess, which has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But um, I've I've seen a ton of different ones. There's an Egyptian one that I've seen uh, demonstrated at various conventions. Um, the um, I was sure and I can never remember the name of it, and or pronounce it. To be honest, there's the Viking game that is similar to chess, but different as well. In in that you've got a very clear attacker and defender mm-hmm. scenario. Um, I just yeah, it's just uh, I just find it fascinating. See, I'm going to
1: be a bit contrary here because I don't. I, I do find it fascinating, but I don't find it surprising, because what the what mm. else are you going to do, right? Like, you've got no TV, <laughs> no computer games. You've got nothing, right? You've got nothing on the cards for you, right? All you've got is, like, disease, war, and time, right? That's that's all you really have. Uh, procreating? Procreating, but you can only do that so much, right? And, like, <laughs> laboring in the fields or, you know, whatever, whatever your job is at that period of building mm. the pyramids, you know, all these kind of... Uh, very manual labor, so that's why, like in 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 historical periods, storytelling was such like a, a pivotal part of yeah. society. And like storytellers would get like the best seats in the house and stuff because mm-hmm. that was that was TV, right? That was entertainment. It's like yeah. everybody puts their TV in the best spot in the living room because it gets mm-hmm. the most attention, right? So that's how they would treat storytellers. I'm getting a bit sort of pseudo mm-hmm. philosophical here, but it's true, right? Um, mm-hmm. So if you were sat around right, and you, you're going to have creativity, you're going to have smart people and you've got like a bit of wood and some rocks, you're going to be like, right, well, let's see like who can get a rock this far. And that just kind of evolves, right? As you, mm. and you go, right, let's put some carvings in it right now. Who can get like the rock over there past that rock and let's make the rock look fancy not let make it like a horse. And then that's how these things evolve. So it, I don't actually, I actually think it's surprising we haven't found more. Of this, yeah, I mean, there's not more records of it, and I suppose y- you were limited by education, obviously being a factor. What people, you know, didn't really work sociable hours, you know, where they would have had time to sit down and make this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I don't imagine there would have been any kind of person whose job it was to make this kind of stuff either, except for maybe like you know the equivalent of jesters and entertainers. So mm-hmm. potentially that's maybe why, just because of how life was at that point. But it doesn't surprise me that these exist and it doesn't surprise me how many exist. I think it's I think it's quite telling that, you know, we we would have more board games if we didn't have other methods of entertainment. Now, you know, TVs, computers, tablets, Mm -hmm. you know, it's in a way we we've sort of stifled our own creativity in that that field because we've put it into to other fields.
0: I've got a theory as to what's happened to all of these ancient board games. We all thought the Alexand uh, the Library of Alexandria was books. No, that was Pharaoh's uh, board game collection.
1: That there would be go. really cool. Like
0: imagine like they eventually, you know, they
1: find some ancient library and it's just like all the board game collections. You know, there's just like a faded a faded hieroglyph glyph of like geek retreat up at the top. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Good lord, he had he had seventeen different versions of Monopoly. Yeah. How did that that How did that even exist back <laughs> then? <laughs> like...
1: So I think um, there's one other quick thing I, I want to touch on because uh, mm. I haven't touched on it for a while, uh, at least in any any depth. Um, which is a new expansion has come out for uh, Marvel's Legendary. So yeah, uh, regular listeners uh, and long time sufferers of, of my love of this game. Uh, will know that this is one of the many, many Marvel games... <laughs> many Marvel editions. Uh, that, ...that I collect. Um, so there hasn't been that many expansions for Legendary recently because of COVID. Uh, there Ooh. were four planned for last year, and I think one dropped. Uh, so this is the most recent one uh, that's come out. It's one of the deluxe uh, releases, which means it's slightly bigger than the normal expansions they do. Uh, and this is called Messiah Complex, Uh, So this is... uh, I'll I'll read out a bit of the the blurb for it. Uh, The decimation of mutants has come to pass, and the enemies of the remaining X-Men never rest. In this new Legendary expansion, uh, based on the popular Marvel crossover story arc, you will join the ranks of the surviving mutant heroes in a race against new masterminds and villains to find a very special child who represents hope for the mutants. Uh, oh. So this is one of the things they've been doing recently with Legendary. So they they have done it historically, but like when the first sets came out, they tended to be like team focused. So you have Fantastic yes. Four and Spider Man and X Men uh, and things like that. And then they started to move more to kind of like sets based on events and the characters mm-hmm. in those events. So then you got like Annihilation, uh, Secret War One and Two, Civil War. Uh, so this is obviously drawing from the partly from the Messiah complex uh, story arc. Uh, I've just noticed the website that I'm looking at has spelt deck wrong, uh, not in a not in a good way. Hey! Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's coming out, and I'm I'm super excited about that because I just love a bit of legendary. Of course, of
0: course, it's been a while since I've played it. I, it, it. Last time I played it was probably round at yours at some point.
1: Yeah, I think. You were you and Will are the last two people I probably played it with. It, it, you can play yeah. it on your own, right? And I, I have played it solo, but it, mm-hmm. it's not as fun, right? It's like it, it it's one of those games that I think really benefits from having at least two people in
0: mm-hmm. it. Like
1: Marvel Champions, you can play solo and still enjoy it.
0: Uh, yes.
1: Although I'm just not a big solo player in general because I just yeah. get bored. Um, <laughs> Fair. Because I need the banter and you know that the interaction. Mm-hmm. Legendary, though, just it's it always falls flat for me when I try and play it solo. And I get like halfway through a game, and I'm like, This is
0: damn dumb. I, yeah. I need Josh
1: here to be building a really annoying card drawing deck just to really no, round me I, up.
0: No, no, here's the thing, right? So I know, even though that's the way I really want to play, I know it winds other people up, so I don't play that way.
1: The thing is, it's, it's, it's a very valid tactic, and it, it does actually usually make for really strong decks problem is yes. it's boring as hell for everyone yeah. else because uh, and... my turn takes like half an yeah. hour <laughs> uh, it's just not not the most fun uh, but no I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to another one of those I'm, I'm in the position unfortunately where I've had a few expansions come out and I've not played that much so like Annihilation mm. obviously Messiah Complex there's even a few before that that I haven't really done much with that I'm like the next time I play I'm going to be like Choice Paralysis I just I don't know which one to play.
0: Can you um how feasible is it for you to bring it down with you when uh, we when we're, when we're going to get some 40k in? Uh it is not. <laughs> cool. Uh, Good talk. Le- Legendary <laughs> is
1: on my shelf even with the cards in boxes is in 1 2 3 4 5 6
0: 7 8 9. Uh, I'm not suggesting the whole thing. I'm just suggesting like the the bits that you would need to play these new expansions. I mean I could
1: I could preset up a few games and bring the yeah. stuff to run those games I suppose. if I decanted it sort of into a box, it'd still yeah. be a sizable amount of stuff, I okay. suppose. But yeah if I left some characters and, and villains behind, yeah, I could give it a go. it's viable. I, I will, I will give this some well, consideration.
0: Well, I, I, I suppose it's a kind of like, how much effort do you want to put into this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's we're going to be playing Crusade. Like, I'd I like to like, yeah. focus. Focus on Crusade. Yeah, cool. focus my interest. Because I don't want to just be gaming. You know, I like to actually hang out with, with you. Contrary yeah. to how I treat you on the podcast,
0: uh, I do enjoy your company. <laughs> Contrary to how you treat me on the podcast and in real life. If- <laughs> uh- <laughs> well, I feel less so in real life. should we we draw things to a close on on that note yeah yeah, I think that's a good uh, good before before we sign off just as always a little reminder um, obviously what we do here isn't free we've got uh, subscriptions to pay for equipment to buy uh, so as such if you like what you're listening to we have a Patreon that you can uh, go and show your support for us as, for as little as uh, a pound a month every, every little penny helps uh, just keep everything running so uh, the link will be down below should you wish to do so
1: yeah we'd really appreciate every little bit of support we get
0: yeah excellent and on that note uh, thank you guys as always for listening and until next time Take care. Bye. Bye.